Welcome to the Friday. Strike. What do we call it Friday striking. Uh, most people would consider Friday to be the end of the week, but here at the dojo, it's kind of the beginning of the week. And it's funny, we had a question about this earlier this week. Like the tune of the week's too hard because I don't have enough time uh, to get my recording ready. Well, actually, if you start the week at the beginning of the week, it should kind of be enough time because the tune of the week is released now. What's the tune of the week this week, Carl? It is the, ah, crap, uh, starts with an A. <laughs> it's a 6 8. Um, we just looked at it yesterday. Crap. Ang- Angus McKinnon. I'll Angus McKinnon. Yeah. It's called Angus McKinnon. Uh, it wasn't ready. Had, it wasn't ready. <laughs> in, in, during our proofreading of it, had a shocking number of typos. So it's going to be a long couple of weeks. We, we think we got most of them. We think we got most of them. But uh, yeah, it's one of those tunes that eludes being written down on paper. You know, it's the first time we've developed a setting that's actually digital for it. So maybe we're, maybe we've opened up some sort of black hole to another universe or something, but yes. Um, So yeah, you, you should have time, but you got to start Friday. Now you might be thinking to yourself, Andrew, you got to be crazy. Friday is the end of my week. And then Saturday and Sunday are like my weekend days. And I don't have time to sit down and learn uh, gosh darn tune. Okay. That is how you uh, use profanity, right guys? That's how you do it. Uh, I don't have time to learn a gosh darn tune. And well, I understand what you're getting at. You are misunderstanding uh, what I'm getting at, which is what, what do we really want to do? What's the best way to learn anything? best way to learn anything is to immerse yourself in that environment, right? And that's what the first couple of days of learning the tune of the week, that's how I'm picturing it. And I don't think it's that unreasonable, right? So we release recordings of the tune and obviously Angus McKinnon is a tune that can be found everywhere. Tons of great bands have played it. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm sure it's been played at the Edinburgh military tattoo multiple times and all sorts of stuff. Angus McKinnon is a really famous tune. So you could even dig in and do a little bit of research, but uh, you can be listening to this tune over the weekend. And that's better. That would be better than printing off the tune and trying to sit down and practice it for two hours, right? That'd be better anyway. We just want to soak this tune in. We want to get it going. And that way, when you do have a, some time to practice, and maybe you get one practice session in over the weekend or two short ones or something. And then certainly, hopefully by Monday, there's something going on where you can sit down and do some mindful practice. The point is, by the time we sit down and do that, uh, Angus McKinnon is in our heads ready to go. That's what I'm picturing here. That's why we release it on Friday, right? And that's why we do the submission deadline on Wednesday and stuff, because I feel like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those are like the best immersion days. I made a, I, I must have made a mistake. Carl made a face. It's the submission deadline is Thursday. Yeah. And to that end, just yes. to interrupt a little bit. Um, we're let's ask the start... audience. Let's let's ask the audience. What time is the submission deadline uh, each week? Let's ask the audience. Hit us in the chat. Good, Rick. Thank you for that incorrect response. But it's not your fault. As it turns out, it's it's possibly our fault. It's and definitely by our, our fault. By it's... our fault, I mean it's Carl's fault. No, it actually, probably is mine. Oh, really? Okay, that's yeah, good. Probably. Yeah. Okay, that makes me happy. Uh, 
It's noon on Thursday is the deadline. But, but it's somewhere Rick, on the website. It yeah. did say it. Somewhere on the website, it does say midnight Thursday, but that's not correct. And, and I've definitely been guilty of saying it's not that big of a deal. But uh, it is now uh, yeah. because Policy we change. want to make sure that you guys get your feedback, you know, by the weekend and not have it spill over into Saturday and sometimes Sunday and get lost until Monday. Uh, so to that end, we're asking for your help in making sure that the submission oh, get in. No, you're so nice about Thursday this. Thursday at noon. Yeah, strictly. Uh, and that way we have enough time to really get all of them done uh, before the weekend comes around and hopefully we'll miss less of them. So there you go. That's the reason why. Carl gave you the reason why, but we're not asking for your help. We're just telling you that's how it's going to be. Just so you know. Um, and that's how it always was uh, until certain people started running around saying it's not that big of a deal and like, you know, at your convenience. And uh, no, yeah, midday Thursday. Uh, that is something that we had to kind of course correct on because of all the stuff Carl said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then if you're late, it's usually not a big deal. But like sometimes it is, right? So uh, sometimes it's sometimes it would be. So like let's say, you know, Cam and Greg, they do most of our phase fours and fives. Like let's say they have a busy weekend ahead of themselves. And so they have like a certain time to get their grading done and then they have to go do something else. So in in some cases, if the submissions come in late, we're really kind of in a in a tight spot where logistically we're unable to get it done. So so anyway, we just got to make sure we're clear on it. Yep. Uh, Sally says, reiterate it. Thursday noon is the deadline. That's Eastern Standard Time. So yeah. and it's noon in New York. You know, give or take Pizza a few time. hours. No, I'm just kidding. Just make it Thursday noon. That'd be great. You know, hopefully, hopefully that works. By the way, you'll notice that gives you a full, that gives you a full week minus about 12 hours. Uh, to get your tune of the week done. Uh, you got to get with the, the uh, dojo lunar cycle though, which begins Friday, right? You wake up in the morning Friday, you should have the new tune in front of you. Okay. And then, uh, you know, put that in your immersion, uh, in your immersion blender. Ha, put that in the immersion blender for the weekend. Oh my goodness. After See? that small mishap before I started the recording today, I've been on fire so far. Been on fire. This has been fantastic. And, and don't forget about, about your dojo weekend. It starts from the moment you submit your recording until Friday at 1 a.m. <laughs> exactly. So you get about six hours. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it could be cool. It could be cool. The vision is cool. And of course, you know, you've got to make that work in your day-to-day -day life. I mean, I think that's... Uh, a big part of the challenge and you might, you're going to probably do it diff slightly differently. Each person will probably do it slightly differently. Okay. Hey, Carl, did you know we have a raffle? I've been hearing rumors about this. Yeah. We have a raffle. You now, can win a beautiful set of pipes by entering the raffle and you don't even need money to enter the raffle. Did you know this? Well, I mean, yeah. you kind of do because you have to be a member. So that involves spending money. But if you're a member, you can enter this raffle just with a little bit of elbow grease. All you got to do is copy the magic link that you'll see on the homepage, your dojo website. Is that true? Or is it on the homepage or is it on like a separate page? Right on the homepage. 
It's in uh, green. Yeah, you just copy your green link, send it to your friends, and that gives people an introduction to the dojo. Uh, and the next thing I would say is you could also jumpstart your uh, raffle entries by telling your dojo you story. Just kind of, it's basically, a, uh, I don't know, it takes 15 or 20 minutes. Like uh, we just ask you a bunch of questions about, you know, your history and things that the dojo has been able to do to help you. And then, you know, in exchange for giving us some good stuff to talk about occasionally when we have, you know, marketing moments where we can use really great testimonials, that's what we get out of it. What you get out of it is a chance to win incredible set of bagpipes. And they're going to be pretty cool, right? McCallum engraved for a bagpipes. AB4, yeah, <laughs> bagpipes. And then, yeah. And then and we're going to ask you what engraving you want on them. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you want to put your name on it or, um, you know, something like Andrew's the best. We can have that engraved yeah. on your pipes if you want. Well, that's mandatory. I mean, anything that's mandatory. goes. <laughs> it's Andrew. Andrew is the effing best. F doubling best? F doubling best? Yeah. Uh, Tony's initials, TLD. Yeah, you can get whatever you want on it. It could be incredible. Anyway, don't forget about the raffle. Uh, the raffle deadline is uh, New Year's Eve is the raffle is. deadline. But if you think about it, you're not going to be able to start this on New Year's Eve because let's say you send your buddy a link on New Year's Eve. They're going to be busy that day. And so Better get him on the phone and hurry. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't get your entry when you email your buddy. You get your entry when he or she actually signs up and checks out some of the you know materials in the free uh, in the free blueprint course, right? So you got to get you're going to have to get on it before then. And I say just start today. Something about tarnishing the silver. Miss that one. A fun side effect is that your friends tell you how charming Andrew's emails are. Yeah, they really are charming. And uh, you know, if you send it to a friend who really isn't interested in bagpiping at all. It's your fault they don't like the emails. Because <laughs> my emails are, by definition, wonderful for people who are interested in improving at the bagpipes. And wondering why, uh, and wondering why they haven't had any success and discovering where they can you know, find some of, the, uh, some of the answers. People like them. Yeah, Ben was being sincere, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of guy you are. Okay. So we talked about the, we talked about the ref. <laughs> Who's laughing? What's going on? Uh, um, next topic. Uh, the new experimental dojo discord is, uh, is happening. Carl, what are your thoughts so far? It's cool. It's a great place for students. You to hesitated, interact. Carl. Carl, you had one job. <laughs> To not hesitate. No, it's cool. It's it's very cool. Well, like so. Okay, so Carl is worried that he, it's he's worried that it's going to change his day to day operations at his job. That's what he's worried about, right? Which I understand completely. Uh, but like right now, see, I'm I don't think the social. I'm I'm actually being honest now. I don't think the social aspects of the current website that we have are really functioning very well like we don't get that much interaction i feel like the uh private messages on the site first of all i always miss them and second of all um they're kind of like slow and cumbersome and not that organic and so what's cool about uh discord is it's designed for that very purpose 
And so it's been kind of cool so far. Why don't you walk us through it? Show us a little. James was uninvited. Or sorry, Jim was uninvited. Jim, you were uninvited? Here, uh, you can be re-invited anytime you want. By the way, yeah, as we talk about this, you can just take this link. Um, the, so the sign-up process is something we're still trying to perfect. So basically, you, you want to install Discord, you want to get a username, and then you need to submit your username on our website in order to uh, link Dojo U with Discord so that you can get full access to the thing. But uh, yeah, Carol says it's very busy. So that is your fault if it is. No one else's. Uh, if it's very busy, because Discord is awesome in the sense that you can fully customize uh, what notifications you get, when you get them, how loud they are, uh, whether or not they make a dinging sound, et cetera, et cetera. So um, right now, mine is making a lot of dinging sounds while I get used to it and kind of, uh, but uh, eventually it won't make any uh, because I don't like my phone uh, buzzing my butt all day long. So uh, so that's a pretty cool thing. We can get into that later, but uh, uh, the link still gives me invite invalid. Uh, okay. Are you using, what device are you using, Jim? Your computer? Hey, MQM. Okay. Um, I'm going to share my screen. Yeah, James, you might want to try a different browser as well. If, mm -hmm. right. So maybe that's causing it. It could be. Anyway, here's my discord. You guys, can you guys see it? Carl, you seeing it? Yep. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what Carol means is there's a lot of activity. Well, that's good in the sense yeah, that... that's what we need. You know, just stuff So happening. when you're on the Discord, um, it's pretty cool. It's like any other forum, and you have, like, your list of forums over here on the left. And they're called channels. But uh, there's some announcement ones. There's not a whole lot going on there yet. The general chat is where we've been kind of hanging out and enjoying uh, each other's company socially, which is kind of neat, I think way better than the website where that wasn't really happening. Uh, here's where you can ask some piping questions. This immersion and culture is kind of cool. I've linked it to all of the important bagpipe news websites. And um, I think it's going to remind us Sunday morning that the new episode of pipeline is out and it'll give you a link directly there. So you can check that out. So it's going to sort of help us with our essential bagpipe immersion and stuff. And we can still have conversations and what have you. Uh, in between, but I like that. I like having that little news ticker there. And it's also kind of where you need it as well, which I like. We've been uh, automatically posting recordings of all the classes. The exception would be the premium classes are not yet posted here. Uh, we're going to, we're going to have to kind of maybe figure that out, but all the basic. We're going to do that. Are we? We are going to do that, but the links won't be available in the Discord because right now basic and premiums have access to the Discord. So if you're a basic and you're on there, gotcha. we don't want you to just get all that stuff without being a premium. Uh, here we have the five challenges channel. Right now, this is a guessing channel. People are guessing what the five challenges are. <laughs> Uh, I haven't even decided when I'm going to release the information pertaining to the five challenges yet. So it could be a while, but right now this is a place where we're all kind of guessing. Uh, so um, I, I like my guess or, or the version where we do like a um, iron chef version of a competition between all of us. Yeah. Well, Ben's idea, kind of like the old Mario games, like it could be yeah. 
you have to go up against each dojo instructor head to head, like a, like a level boss. Yeah. But then other people say, uh, we're saying it's going to be like iron chef where, uh, the guest students have to compete, uh, in a competition against the uh, dojo instructors, which is kind of cool. I just, I want to be Bobby Flay. That's, that's my thing. Um, Oh, of course, MQM worked on Iron Chef America. Nice. Is Bobby not? I, I heard Bobby's a little bit like uh, volatile, maybe. Which, by the way, uh, in a recent personality test, I scored in the 99th percentile for volatility. As you witnessed this morning, when I completely lost it and dropped a <laughs> massive F-bomb in front of a lot of nice people. Um gladiatorial combat. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you can submit your guess as to what the five challenges are. Um, and this is like the bagpipe freedom area. Now, what's kind of cool is I think the computer bot is going to congratulate anyone when they pass their next freedom phase and it's going to come in here. So everyone will know instantly when somebody passes, which will be kind of cool. Tony's looking super excited about that. Um, and uh, yeah, general discussion of freedom stuff. And my vision of this is people can submit their recordings here as well to get sort of community feedback in addition to their official feedback and lots of good stuff here. Aha. Uh -huh. Tech support channel, voice channel. So the voice channel is really kind of cool. You can go in there anytime you want and just kind of hang out with your dojo buddies. You remember that time when we uh, enabled the waiting room on zoom and like the whole world of dojo, you flipped out. You remember that Carl? Yeah. Yeah. Well now you've, now you can beat the system easily. Before class, if you want to hang out, but the room's not available yet, you can hop in that uh, voice channel. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Heather says you can adjust the font size on your phone. Uh, yeah, you can adjust your font size um, anytime you want. If you go in like so into your preferences for Discord here uh, in my appearance settings, I can change the font size of my Discord as well. So, so uh, especially nowadays, my vision is getting worse by the day. Uh, but check that out. Look at my big fonts. Isn't that neat? Okay, how do I change it back? That's way too big. Um, you know what's cool is that Discord doesn't collect all my uh, information and behavior and sell it. That's pretty cool too, right, guys? Just, uh, yeah. And I like the organization of it. Anyway, that's the Discord. It would be, I mean, I don't know. I'm really enjoying it. I think it's uh, going to have a future here at the dojo. So if you want to sign on and and uh, help us get the bugs out. That would be really cool. Ben says his snark detector is going off. I didn't catch what that was related to what you were saying. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, that's the, uh, that's the dojo discord. Things are happening. It's pretty neat. Yesterday we had a, uh, can you define rhythm challenge? Cool. Janet says, so the Facebook is going to be discontinued. I don't know what you're talking about, Janet. There's no Facebook group. There is, there is a, there is a, um, black market Facebook group, Yeah, <laughs> but that's not within our power to discontinue as it turns out. Nope. Um, it's unofficial has nothing to do with this. Yeah. I can't help but notice Sally has not joined the discord yet. <laughs> oh, she is. Oh, cool. Thank you. Sally. See Sally, you're going to make the discord such an amazing place. So I'm so glad that you're not a conscientious objector. Just haven't gotten around to it yet. So, uh, so there you go. <clears throat> All right. Are we ready to get to the, to the nuts and bolts of the show? 
Meat and okay. potatoes. Let's do it. Question number one is, this is an important one that has come through. Is the bagpipe freedom process for beginners? Question. question for the group. Hit us in the chat. Yes or no. Is the bagpipe freedom process for beginners? Interesting. It's like Scientology. It's for everyone. That's MQM's stance on all this. Uh, yeah. So the answer is yes, absolutely. The bagpipe freedom pr process is good for beginners. Here's a couple discussion points. Uh, is it good for an absolutely pure beginner who's, you know, just got his practice chanter yesterday? And the answer is possibly not, right? So uh, here's the bagpipe freedom process is for anyone who can comprehend the material that's in front of them. That's who it's for. All right. So let me give you an example. If you have no idea what a quarter note is, or if you have absolutely no idea the, you know, the relationship of a um, quarter note to an eighth note, or if you have no idea what a bar line is, or if you've never seen uh, music before in your life, then it's not for you yet. Okay. Uh, but most people do. Most people, you know, within a very short time of beginning, especially if you take the dojo tutor, you start to get familiar with these things, right? What quarter notes are. Uh, and why am I talking mostly about rhythm stuff? Well, because of course that's phase one of the freedom process. But as soon as you can understand the basics of how rhythm should work, then by all means, we want to be looking at the tune of the week and we want to be looking at the rhythm of the tune of the week and trying to figure out this stuff. Okay. The sooner we learn the ins and outs of rhythm, the better. Um, and then yesterday there was like a bit of confusion because someone who's in phase two uh, who hadn't really gotten all the way through the beginner's tutor yet. Some, you know, someone in phase two got the idea that, that, uh, you know, that the freedom process wasn't for them. It absolutely is 100%. Now you're not necessarily going to pass phase two because possibly you still have a ways to go as far as your basic control of some of the stuff that you might see in chapter two and three. Uh, and that's totally fine. You know, um, that's something that we're all going to have to butt up against at some point is when yeah. we hit our, when we hit our freedom phase ceiling, you're, you're going to have to come face to face with not always passing every week. Right guys. And, and the other thing is, especially as we're maybe working through the tutor and other stuff that might not be the best use of your time every week, right? It might be better to continue to work through the tutor on those nice, easy elements. Um, and I disagree really on that right. point. I disagree on that point, but I understand where you're coming from. So uh, uh, I think that doing it every week would be really cool. However, what Carl's saying is valid in the sense that you absolutely would want to balance things out, right? So maybe, uh, maybe in addition to, you know, continuing to work away at the tunes in chapter three of the tutor, maybe you're balancing that with some fresh varied material each week, which is a super important element of the freedom process that you don't get in the tutor right? In the tutor, you can just be like, oh my God, got to work on Green Hills again. Cause until I get it, my teacher's not going to let me do battles over. Uh, and you do that for weeks and weeks and weeks, right? So that, you know, that violates a really important aspect of what the freedom process gives to us, which is continual variance, always looking at fresh material. Sometimes the reason you can't 
get your breakthrough on green hills is because you don't have enough experience. And then suddenly you get a certain aha moment because you're looking at something new and you're like, wait a minute, that's all I have to do. And then you're like, shit. Ooh, I mean, shoot. What if I, uh, what if I apply this thing I just learned in this new bit over to green hill? Oh, wait a minute. Suddenly I could do green hills, right? Uh, constant variance is super, super important. Okay. So that's one of the downsides of the tutor is you're not necessarily getting that, especially if, uh, especially if you've set some sort of goal, like I'm not going to move on until I can play green hills correctly. Uh, well, that can, that can put you in a rut where you're just looking at the same Dr. Seuss book every single day, right? Dr. Seuss is cool, but if all you have is Horton, here's a who you're not going to learn how to read, right? You're going to need a wide variety of books. So the same goes for learning bagpipe tunes, which is the same reason that the bagpipe freedom process is absolutely for beginners. And I absolutely recommend you participate every week. Now, I think what Carl is probably saying as well is like, you don't have to submit a recording for critique every week. You don't have to do that. Right. Uh, and, and so like what he's saying wasn't wrong. It's just like, you know, but you absolutely want to look at that tune of the week every week and you absolutely want to practice it every week. And you at least want to take off a few chunks uh, and go through them and try and get them to sound good every single week, no matter what level you're at, by the way, one bar even. Yeah. And the same goes for quote unquote advanced pipers who are working on quote unquote important repertoire. It, It works on that end of the spectrum too. You always want to be looking at fresh stuff and uh, trying to get it to sound good as part of your developmental regimen. That's the key. We don't want to be bicep curl guy. We don't want super huge biceps and like this like grotesquely muscular upper body and then skinny legs, right? We don't want that. Uh, We don't want to be the bagpipe version of that. And by the way, those people are everywhere. It's part of uh, what's not good. Okay, does that make sense? I feel like I did a good job there. I only dropped one swear word. Um, so Carl put this in the not urgent, but I thought it could be quite cool to do. Uh, Raleigh, where would a total ignoramus start to learn how to play the bagpipes? Super easy on that one. Dojo, you tutor. Yeah. And then if you're going to join a beer band, right, you should join that as a side hustle. Uh, and your main hustle should be working through the Dojo U Tutor. Um, and then you should try to find a good instructor, probably as well, to help you through that process if you can. My Tony's private instructor is so impressed that the Dojo varies the material and the tunes are challenging, but have a great many learning opportunities. Okay, I don't like the idea that the tunes are challenging, you guys. They're not. If anything, the tunes in the Tutor are harder right? Like those classic bagpipe tunes in the four farm marches with all like the super long notes. Amazing Grace. If you look at that sheet music, that's difficult to figure out. Now it's easy to fake Amazing Grace, but that shouldn't be what we're interested in. You know, to actually play Amazing Grace rhythmically correct uh, is difficult. Uh, And that's probably the easiest tune in the tutor, right? So uh, Scott and the Brave, of course, extremely difficult tune. And so you, you look at a, a tune like Sheila McMurchy. Now, there's a couple of tricky bits in there. But the rhythm, as you know, if you've been to class, the rhythm's extremely straightforward, way more simple than Scott and the Brave. Uh, there's very few embellishments. 
there's probably more embellishments in the first two bars of Scott and the Brave than there are in the entire Sheila McMurchie's dance. So, you know, uh, I don't agree that the tunes of the week are necessarily super difficult. Now, sometimes they are, and that's just the way that it is. Like sometimes we get tunes with lots of embellishments. But, and it's uh, also a great opportunity to push ourselves in different ways. Or better yeah. yet, or, or yeah. better yet, learn the essential yeah. skill of discarding those embellishments because they're not that important. And figuring out how to make really good music at the current level that you're at, regardless of the, you know, the original material that's put in front of you. So I feel like when I went away on, vac- I feel like I've been on, I've been on two vacations in the last six weeks. So I get it. I've been away. People are, are running, are, you know, are the, what do they call it? Running amok? No. Chickens <laughs> are running the, the chickens are running the fox house or something. Uh, something like that. I don't know. Uh, but uh, there you go. Not that you guys are chickens. Don't take this all the way to the logical conclusion, you guys. Just relax. <laughs> Inmates running the, the asylum. Science. MQM said that, not me. Don't put those words in my mouth. <laughs> you could have left it at chickens. Uh, okay. So figuring out the rhythm of a tune by listening. I don't know. Do we have enough time to get into this? I think we kind of do. Ready? First of all, I'm going to take this. Okay. So this, this person says, I've been through several of the rhythm tutorials. One of the exercises is to listen to bagpipe music and work out the time signature. I love the music of Blair Douglas, cousin Blair, love that. And was listening on Spotify to Heaven Taught the Plowman from his album, whatever. I would like to write out blah, 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 but he's not getting the timing. Any ideas? Should we have a listen? Yeah, let's do it. It's from a little while ago, but it's good. It's only taking us like two and a half months to get to this. <laughs> All right. So here's what I want to do. Oh, ah, ah. Sorry. It's going a little crazy on me here. Okay. Here's what I want to do. Yoink. I want to open up. Uh, I want to open up MuseScore. All right. So rather than the time signature, what, what do we really want to listen for when we're trying to determine the rhythm of a piece of music? Hit me in the chat. What do we call it in the rhythm course? Uh, Rick says special? groove. Uh, what are we really listening for? We don't really care what the time signature is. What are we really listening for? How many parts of the beat? Okay, no, we are listening for the three dimensions of rhythm. Okay. And we, we need to identify each of the three dimensions. Okay. And uh, we don't really care what the time signature is. The time signature is kind of like the scale on a map. Okay. And it'll help, help point us in the direction of the three dimensions. But anytime you're playing any piece of music, the three dimensions of rhythm are really important. What are the three dimensions? Dimension number one is how many beats per musical idea? Okay, or how many, you know, you could also translate that as how many beats per phrase or how many beats per bar. It doesn't really matter, but how many beats uh, create the musical pattern that we're listening to? That's dimension one. All right, so <clears throat> here we go. I'm sharing my desktop with sound. So then theoretically, you see my news score is open over here, right? But then if I press this button, and by the way, I need to bring my chat back up because Zoom, Zoom just can't do that for some reason. No, it can't. <laughs> so uh, uh, this is um, the video. Here. So this is a video of people doing Scottish country dancing. Oh, boy. 
you thought bagpipers were. Okay. Um, all right. So my first question to you, dimension number one, how many beats per musical idea? Ready, set, go. It's really quiet. It's all I got though, volume wise. Good. So how many beats per musical idea? Yeah, four or possibly two. Whatever, either one, you know, because obviously two, if you put it together twice, is four. So, and and uh, probably more importantly, it's definitely not three, right? So if you just count, and if you counted in a three pattern, you would notice instantly it didn't fit. So yeah, four is the answer to the first dimension. Okay, so what time signature are we in? The correct answer is who cares? Okay. The time signature helps us identify the three dimensions, not the other way around. And overall time signature, who cares, should be your response basically whenever you see one, other than perhaps it gave you some clues as to like the overall rhythmic structure of the tune. Cool. What's the next dimension that we're trying to figure out after we know how many beats are in the musical idea? The second dimension is how many, not the speed, Tom. Ugh. Come on, you guys. We do this all the time. No. 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 It's not the beats per minute. The second dimension is how many divisions in each beat. Okay. Thank you, Rick. It's like the one guy that pays attention. And he always sits, he sits, on, he sits on top of a sports car or something, too. Or was that a boat? Or what is that? I don't even know. But it's awesome. Uh, yeah. How many divisions of the beat are there? Okay. Typically, uh, beats are going to come in how many divisions? Either four or three. So when you listen to this, tell me how many there are per beat. Okay, hopefully it's easy to recognize that this is a one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a yeah. There's so each beat there is inside each one. There's four divisions. We like that. Yeah. What types of bagpipe tunes have four divisions per beat? Hmm, I don't know. It's it could be interesting to kind of start to think about this stuff. And then what's the third uh, dimension of rhythmic analysis? Oh, Sally's got to go now. Sally, you're going to miss the third dimension. Uh, the third dimension is whether, yeah, uh, whether or not the divisions of the beat are proportional or swing, right? Even or swing divisions of the beat. And what's the answer? We don't even have to listen to it again. You remember the groove, right? One E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a, yeah? It's straight time, right? Even straight time, not swing, okay? So if we were to write this music out, what, uh, what time signature would we use? In this case, we kind of care at this point. But yeah, I would go with 4-4. Four, four. There's four beats, and um, we're not in compound time. And we know that because there's four divisions of each beat. So I would go with 4-4. Four, 2-4 four. Four would probably work just fine. Okay. 
All right. And um, so you'll, you would start to write out your music. All right. Now this would be a lot easier. I think not on a computer program. It'd be a lot easier to do by hand, but uh, I don't have that Liberty right now, but you don't need MuseScore to do this folks. I guess that would be my point. Right. And then here's a really cool thing. So now we have that. So someone said the tempo of this is like really fast or something. Right. Did somebody say that? But anyway, uh, what the cool thing about YouTube is you can change the playback speed. That might be too much. Two e and a one e and a two e and a one e. So like, so anyway, I would start, um, I identified the ending or something like that at the end, right? And then we're back here and then one E and a two. So I would go with, I would go with, and then again, maybe I would write out the, maybe I would write out the rhythm first, right? One E, one E and a two, but then that was actually maybe like one of these uh, uh, with the dot. Da 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 da. Something like that, right? A one E or three E and a four E and a something like that, right? And then I can listen back and see if I got that roughly right. So right around here, one E and two, a one E and a two. Yeah, nice. See how I got the rhythm of the first bar already? Okay, and now I can analyze the rhythm of the next bar, put that in, and so on and so forth. And then I'll get the rhythm layer down, and then I can start to horse around with what notes I might actually be hearing him playing once I have the rhythm down. What notes? Uh, what note does the part start on? Did anybody pick it up? It can be hard when you don't see the person's fingers, but uh, somewhere along the line, you'll start to figure it out the more you try. But what's the first note of the tune? Da, 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 vee, dee, da, da, vee, dum. C, nice. So, uh, you know, conceptually, uh, C and then da, vee, dee, da, meow, 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 meow. Right? And that would be the uh, opening bar of the tune. Something like that, right? And the process would go on and on and on uh, until you eventually figured out uh, how you might actually write out the tune. Making sense? Very, 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 very brief crash course of how you might go about uh, dissecting something that you heard and figuring out how to play it on your own, yeah. But yeah, so uh, the question is correct, though. I really like the question because he's asking the correct question first, which is, how do I figure out the rhythm of this damn thing? Okay. And the answer is, look to the three dimensions. How many beats per musical idea? How many divisions of the beat? And whether or not the uh, beat is subdivided uh, perfectly even 
most music is subdivided perfectly even, but then some is subdivided in swing time. Uh, and you can identify that. And I do think we go into some depth in that in the rhythm course somewhere. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we do have to figure out how many musical ideas there are in a larger musical idea, like in a part, for example. Nah. I mean. Well, yes, I think you will. For sake. I think yeah, it'll come out in the wash, though. Organically, especially if you went through the, the process of going, finding the rhythm and then writing out the notes. Um, for the normal, for the normal bagpiper, however, 98% of the time, there's always going to be four musical ideas per part, right? So, so it's not worth like overthinking it and, and complicating the basic model. Yeah. It's usually call, answer, call, final answer. Like who wants to be a millionaire for, uh, uh, for pipers. That's a cool question. I'm glad that person submitted that. Um, and then Carl, uh, the five bagpipe false identities. We won't go into that today, but we absolutely should touch that at some point. He, he, he was like, I don't know if we should even touch this, but we absolutely should. <laughs> but at the risk of ruining the podcast, we'll touch it uh, next week. Piping books. Ben wanted to know about piping books. So uh, what are some of the quintessential piping books? Uh, I really, so starting small and then working your way up. um, And he's sort of talking about bagpipe history books, not so much bagpipe instructional books. So sadly, we will have to leave Finding Bagpipe Freedom out of this. But um, the book of the bagpipe by Hugh Cheap is the place to start. Is that what it's called, Carl? I think so. Yeah, it's a cool book all about bagpipes and the history of the bagpipes. And then um, right after that would be Pipers by William Donaldson. Did I get that right? Yeah. Those are like two great books to start with. And then from there, you can get into some of the Ian Gibson stuff. You can get into William Donaldson's epic tome, The Bagpipe and Highland Society. Uh, 1750 to 1950. Well, that's a great uh, point, Janet, is uh, we got we can't forget to vote for Finding Bagpipe Freedom on the Big Rab Show Awards. Uh, but yeah, so those are some good books. What else we got? And, I love and um, also Andy's Beard. Oh, yeah, and Andy's up. Beard. So. Um, for an alternative view uh, on aspects of the history of bagpiping. I highly recommend Alistair Campsie's book, uh, The McCrimmon Legend and the Madness of Angus Mackay. Highly recommend it. <laughs> and there goes the bad. And the there goes the podcast. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, people no. have written off, people have written off Campsie's work and there have even been book burnings of his book. That's a good sign. You should probably read it and figure out what it's about. But uh, the book is extremely well-researched, heavily footnoted. uh, And basically he breaks down all of the crimes against basic uh, historical investigation uh, that were propagated in order to forge the uh, story of the McCrimmons and the long line of Peabrock and stuff like that, which um, I don't know. I'm conflicted about the whole issue. But uh, clearly, the clearly what we've come to know about the McCrimmons and all of that stuff is clearly folklore. It's clearly not actually factual in many, if not most, cases. Uh, 
But is there a value to having like that rich folklore uh, in a musical culture? Yeah, probably. So is it that bad that it's faked? It's like, eh, probably not. But anyway, you got to read the book because Campsy does not feel the same way as me. Uh, let's just say he has a specific bias, which is extremely entertaining uh, to, uh, to go through. Yeah, the McCrimmon legend, the madness of Angus Mackay, highly recommended. It's like a, uh, it's like investigative journalism uh, about bagpipes. That's pretty cool. Raleigh says, uh, "See, Raleigh's like a poet, I think." Uh, the beauty of the dojo, see, uh, has such a ring to it, is that beginners can be in the same class with advanced students and learning the same tunes at a different level and being immersed in piping at the same time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and I think one of the ways that pipers learn is by uh, hanging out with pipers that are maybe better than them, uh, but then realizing that even though the pipers are quote unquote better than them, all the people in the room are still equidistant from the infinite. How do you like that? What do you think, MQM? Good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's soaking it in. I like that. Exactly, Ben. Who's the poet now, people? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, give us book list that is Andrew approved. Well, I don't know. I don't really read that many books, which is actually not true. I read a lot of books, but uh, yeah. William Donaldson, Ian Gibson, Alistair Campsey. Oh, and uh, Roderick Cannon's a good one too, if you can find his book. Yep. I had to go to like New York Public Library to get his book downtown, yeah. but well worth it i think william donaldson's books are back in print which is pretty cool alistair campsey is definitely on kindle which is cool you know i don't think i don't think they let uh print copies of his book out anymore but you can get it on kindle mm. i'd love to do an audio book of of his book because it's so entertaining but i gotta figure out how we might do that i don't think it's going to work unless you have a uh, uh, Northeast Scottish accent, though, too. Well, I mean, you might be able to find somebody that has one of those. Uh, so anyway, those are the piping books. All right, any other questions in the remaining time that we can answer about bagpipe stuff? Yeah, there was Jay's question here. Okay. Just can you explain the different, uh, explain a bit of the notion of synchronizing embellishments? Like, do you play them more open in certain tunes? Uh. Aha, I see the question. Can you explain a bit more the notion of synchronizing embellishments? Like, do you play them more open in certain tunes? So here's the deal with embellishments. The, uh, the answer is you can play them as open or as closed as you want, okay? So embellishments are like things that we do to embellish, right? The basic melody of the tune. So how open or how closed you play them is going to be completely up to you, right? It's like, how do you decorate a, how do you decorate a Christmas tree? You use some small ornaments and you use some larger ornaments and you mix well, them all around. But the bottom line is it's totally up to you, right? The bottom line is it's totally uh, up to you. Like if I told you, you have to use only white lights on your Christmas tree and silver bulb and so, ornaments yeah. only. And you have to put a star on the top. You would be like, F off, bro. 
that's not how you do a tree, probably, right? You probably have strong opinions about how your tree is going to be done. And that's cool. And that's exactly uh, more or less how embellishments should be as well. Okay. You should play them as open or as close as you like. Jack Lee plays embellishments way more open than Angus McCall or whatever. Now, with that being said, all right, what's the point of playing an embellishment if the steps are all so tight together that you can't even distinguish what's inside the embellishment? Would everybody agree that's not what we want? Certainly not from a beginner or intermediate standpoint. That's not going to be what you want, right? And then also, how effective is an embellishment going to be in actually improving your tune and making it more interesting if it's super open and deliberate and completely obscures the basic rhythm of the melody? Can we all agree that's not good either? Right? So when we get to embellishments, what is the general mantra that we teach to beginners and intermediates as to uh, how open or close an embellishment should be? What, what's the thing that we teach uh, as a general starting point uh, for beginners and intermediates to be able to do? Good. So, uh, Carol, each of the steps, as short as musically possible, is the starting point for embellishments. Um, and there's a couple of, couple of things there. So before that is a uh, super high priority, step one is all of the steps of the embellishments need to be played accurately. That's number one. You need to understand what the steps of the embellishments are and actually play them accurately, which is why we, which is a major reason why the heavy D throw is not allowed here at the dojo. Because usually what people think is a heavy D throw is just a bunch of shite inaccurate steps that are totally wrong and totally not in control. So what we ask people to do is play the light, but play the steps with accuracy, right? Okay. And then, uh, so accuracy is the first thing. The second thing is all the steps need to be even. So for starters, we do want big deliberate embellishments, possibly even ones that slightly obscure the rhythm of the tune, possibly. Uh, take that with a grain of salt, though. I don't really mean that. But like, you know, they're going to be big and deliberate and possibly, arguably, too big. But uh, we want to focus on playing the steps evenly next. And then finally, to complete the puzzle, we want to work towards getting the steps as short as musically possible. Okay, so we want the embellishment to be as concise as it possibly can be, while actually being able to hear the steps clearly. That's where that musically word comes in, right? So we want them to be very short, but actually audible and contributing to the musical quality of the tune. And now, Tom, you'll notice on the beats, not actually one of the steps because it's implicit in the first one, you know, playing yes. it accurately, which means getting all those steps correctly in where they're supposed to go. Now, where do embellishments go relative to the beat? Easy okay. answer here. You don't have to think about it. It's always on the beat. No, you're wrong about that. Okay. The answer is wherever you want it to go. Okay. So any embellishment that you play, okay, in the actual true sense of the word, any embellishment you play can be placed anywhere you want. It's wonderful, right? It's like painting. It's like, what colors do you have to use in your painting? Use whatever damn colors you want. It's your painting. Now, the caveat here is whatever you decide, 
you need to actually be in control of, and you need to actually execute it the way you decide to execute it. Okay. Now, where should a beginner or an intermediate decide to place the beats in their embellishments? Okay. The dojo, you know, the dojo rule is what Carl said. Okay. Which is that we, we should start them all on the beat. Okay. Now that's not because that's how you have to play embellishments. Okay. It's because that's the best advice for someone who's serious about learning how to play embellishments and how to actually be in control of them. Uh, that's the, that's the simplest sort of like the simplest starting point that we can offer to a beginner or to an intermediate. If you can align all your embellishments with the beat and play them accurately and evenly, uh, you you could uh, destroy basically any level of solo competition all the way up to grade one, probably. How does that sound to you guys? You want to destroy all the way up to grade one? Sounds good, right? Uh, so all you would have to do there is to just align every embellishment with the beat. Now, maybe here's the crazy thing, Carl. Have you heard this? Maybe. Are people in the world who think that Tara Lewis should end on the beat? Like the third step should align with the beat and the other uh, step should come in before the beat. You know what I say to that? Go for it. Yeah, man. Just enjoy it. Just do it. That's it while we play circles around you. In, in oh, no, stuff. stop. See, I get the reputation for being like, you know, <laughs> closed-minded, but I'm not. Okay? You can play that Taylor with any way no, you want. I'm with you. I'm What's with you. really important is that you're actually in control and that you're actually playing that movement the way uh, that that you're uh, in, intending to. So if that's your intention, if that's the way you've been taught, if that's the way you think it should be, then do that. But all the steps still need to be accurate. All the steps still need to be even. And then make sure that the third step is perfectly in sync with the beat, right? Same goes with different ideas about the D throw. Now, I certainly think that the vast majority of time of the time, Tara Lewis and D throws and grips uh, sound just as good, if not far more musical, by initiating them on the beat as opposed to terminating them on the beat. Uh, that's just one man's opinion. And I tend to be right about other stuff. So just listen to me on this one. <laughs> Joe says there's no such thing as an early burl. So no, if that's, I think you're just if you're being in funny. control. Yeah, he was. Uh, but yes, if, if, if the burl came out, truly the way that you intended it to, that's true. But there is such a thing as an early burl. That's when you play the burl long before you intend to, right? Which is really, 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 really common, right? Your wisdom only exceeds your good looks. Wait a minute. That seemed like a compliment. Uh, Tony. <laughs> she tried complimenting you earlier, but you didn't take it. So no, you got I this always, one. <laughs> no, I'm always thrilled. When, I'm always thrilled when Tony gives me a empty, empty compliment. Oh. <laughs> untrue, um. facetious. Uh, no, no, no. We have to be careful. We can't let this spiral out of control. I think this is going to be a good podcast. I think it could be. I only said one four-letter word while the recording was on. Two, uh, if you count. You better stop it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And with that, everybody so, uh, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm certainly going to stop the recording now. Uh, congratulations to me and also a little bit to Carl and also a little bit to Tony. Hey, everybody. Andrew Douglas here from the Piper's Dojo. And I just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's iteration of the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, it would be super helpful to us and to a lot of bagpipers out there trying to find us. 
if you could give us a top-notch review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, particularly Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and things like that, your review would be really, really helpful. So if you have a moment today, definitely go over there and help us out. Other than that, until we meet again on the podcast or somewhere else, thanks again for listening.